You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real and filtered conversation on career, relationships, love, and all things modern culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. So good to be back with you guys, and I'm really excited for this episode here in my virtual living room. Um, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. I'm excited. Um, my voice has been gone since my birthday, which has been like three weeks, but I still haven't fully gotten it back. But I'm going to power through this because today's topic is something very near and dear to my heart. It's something that I've been discovering very much through the last several episodes, Um and I'm here to talk with my friend, uh, colleague from Collaboration, and a Patreon patron, Long Vo. We're going to talk about vulnerability. Welcome to the podcast, Long. Hello, everyone. Hello. How are you, how are you doing? I'm doing splendid. How are you feeling now that because you've been listening to all my episodes, giving me so much great feedback, and now you're recording with me? I don't know. It feels like, like an honor and... <laughs> Still soaking in. I mean, <laughs> you don't have to I, blow it up. You don't have to inflate it. It's all good. But it's just special because I, I know you've been like, I just appreciate because Long's been really giving me great feedback and appreciation on things I talk about and also like topics to expand upon questions. And it's been great. Yeah. So let's get started. Yeah, right? let's. Um, Long, do you want to introduce yourself? Like give people a little bit of background who you are? Uh, sure. So. I'm from San Francisco. I am a personal trainer by trade. Um, wasn't my first choice in career. I used to work in the music industry. I was a band manager. I used to work in social media. I worked in tech. I was a manager. And then I got burnt out with all those things. And I gave personal training a try. And it stuck with me for about nine years. Damn. Yeah. Damn, damn, damn. Um, Long's been through a lot of different things and has a lot of great insight and perspective on a lot. But I think we can just dive right into our topic because I think we can continue to learn more about you, what you've been through, and yeah, how all of that has shaped your mentality, your perspective on on vulnerability, on connecting with others. Because I think that's really what, like, that's what's really fueled a lot of our conversations, right? Yeah, I mean, I think. Um what connected us was through collaboration. I mean, on your way out, I got involved in and stuff. And the idea of trading stories is, you know, one of those things where to do that, you have to open up about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And um, vulnerability is, from what I hear, is a new concept in psychology where Brene Brown has brought it in uh, to light, to solve a lot of issues that people have. And I think one cool thing about it is that before they used to say like, um, sadness is bad. Like hence like star Wars, right? When they say like, get away from the dark side and don't think about bad things. But slowly that has changed in the last probably eight or 10 years and having people to be more vulnerable. Right. And I think it's natural because you're saying that you worked in music and whatnot. You have, you're have you in touch with your creative side. And for me as an actor, even though I worked in tech and public health in my past um, and lived a very academic, you know, 
mainstream life, I feel like vulnerability has just being a highly sensitive, emotional person has always been like the the core foundation of who I am. So I think it's it's interesting to see how vulnerability as a topic, as a concept, as a practice is becoming more discussed in a mainstream way. Um, thanks in large parts to, to Brene Brown. I think she's been a really like she's certainly not the first person to talk about it, but her TED Talk, uh, The Power of Vulnerability, is like over 8 million views in the last seven years. I think she's definitely brought the topic to light and been on Oprah. She's been on like everything, um, just talking about the power, the importance of being vulnerable. And so now we get to talk about it um, more openly and investigate that in ourselves. Right. And don't forget, um, what was it, Inside Out, the Disney movie? Yes. They kind of touch upon that too, right? All the feelings. All the feelings, right? All five of them. All five. Which one do you, which one do you identify with, though? Well, it was funny. Like I, I'm a huge Amy Poehler fan, so like by default, I was like a huge fan of Joy, and I just love her because it brings me so much joy to see Joy, and I definitely have that in me. But I felt like sadness was like <laughs> <laughs> she was my fave. What about you? Also, had a good. She had a good comedic timing too so good. in the movie i mean it's phyllis from the office come on yes. you don't get better than right? that. yeah which was two office actors right like you love yeah well well amy's parks and rec and and phyllis is is the office oh, well, no right. they had mindy though mindy's from the office so yes there were two <laughs> yes uh, i did like mindy's character because the sassiness it was just that was great timing too and the anger anger is pretty funny too oh anger is a very very familiar one if the right. audience didn't know yet <laughs> You know what's interesting about that movie is that uh, one of my clients, she's older and she's from a different generation. She didn't like that movie. She said it was too serious for a kid's movie. And that's kind of – I always – I asked her about it. I was like, really? What do you think? And she's like, oh, you know, that's not a good topic. And it was just funny that like for her – and she was like in her 50s. She did not like that movie. Interesting. She thought it was too heavy for children? Yes. Wow. Well, I mean and that I, goes to show like – yeah, just everybody. But, and I just kind of like sassed her. I was like, you know, that, you missed the whole point of the movie. It's like you're supposed to embrace your sadness. She's like, no, that's just, that's just wrong. And this was like, all right, you know, leave it alone. So she fought it? Yeah, she fought with me. I was like, you know, this is that's the point of the movie. Like you, if you hide uh, your emotions or certain emotions, you hide all of them. You can't just select certain emotions like that, right? Right. And that was the point of the movie. Well, okay, so like to and and to kind of like set it off, I mean, we've already kind of dived into the topic, but what sparked a lot of conversation between you and me was Brene Brown's uh, TED Talk. And in that, she goes into her discovery of the importance of vulnerability. She's a very, very structured scientist who studies the human mind. She's very data driven. She's very much about she's been trained to be a very quantifiable person right in terms of producing what's the what are the th the things that cause this right x plus x x plus y equals z and um when it comes to like the human condition right when it comes to our hearts our minds and our behavior there's a lot of different layers to like why we act the way that we do why we um, carry relationships the way that we do, why we hide the things that we do. So a lot of things that she discussed, I mean, I highly recommend people to go listen to this TED Talk, but um, she just talks a lot about shame and fear. You know, like those are two really key components that drive our 
avoidance of being vulnerable, right? And and the how being vulnerable is necessary for us to create genuine connection, right? To be seen as we are and to see others as they are, right? Right. Um, do you remember the first time that kind of hinted this um, yearning to know more about vulnerability that hit you personally? I mean, I feel like honestly I've been thinking about it a lot since I – because of acting, like – I was always investigating characters and I'd always like one of the key things that I would think about is like what motivates them because they want to do good and what hurts them. That was something that came into my mind a lot as a kid. So I don't know if that like I knew of the concept vulnerable, but I cared very much like beneath the layers of like what people showed. I was like, well, what what makes so and so really sad? Like in a basic way, I was like, well, what are they? Why are they so mad at this person? Why are they so this and this and that? Um, but in terms of vulnerability, I feel like that term has, I guess since like college, I can't remember the exact point. Do you remember the exact point when you, you conceptualize vulnerability? Yes. Okay. Um, I remember exactly. So the funny story was I remember Ted talk was being huge. And so I would fall asleep to Ted talks. Okay. And I don't know if the point know, of that was for you to fall asleep to them. <laughs> no, I just kind of closed out the night. It's like, oh, this either something intellectual, yeah. but it wasn't like it was boring, right? Yeah, yeah. And actually, and actually, I remember I was, I had like a f- client. She actually um, stopped training with me f- for financial reasons, and I was just heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Um, and the funny thing was, I every time um, Brene Brown played, I fall asleep to that. Unintentionally. Okay. And finally, I kept hitting that same one. And finally, I played it and I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is what it means to be vulnerable. Because um, I think if people don't know, it's like, to be really happy, you have to accept that the uncertainty, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, when I lost my client, I mean, she didn't die or anything. It's just she couldn't train with me anymore. I was just like, you know, worried about her. I was just thinking, like, you know, is she gonna go off track again? Is she just gonna, you know, is it was it my fault? And I just kept digging this bigger hole of like stress and blaming myself for it. But then when the point where she said, you know, you have to trust uncertainty mm-hmm. and just, and I was like, oh, that's that's hard. Yeah. Right. You don't realize those things until someone kind of states the obvious, and then you step back and you realize, like. That is really hard. I don't think I'm very good at that. Or, you know, like you start kind of peeling back the layers and seeing that, you know, like things that you do on a regular basis kind of feed that narrative, right? Like, oh, I have a tough time dealing with uncertainty. I think that's that's a lot of people like in their different ways of trying to control their situation, their circumstances. But, yeah, I think like one of the big things like um, that's hard part vulnerability is uncertainty. And so – um, one discovery, I think we've talked about it is like, you know, like our human condition, we're po- we always try to think of the worst case scenario to not be shocked when something bad happens to us. So right. we always run these simulators to like say, oh, you know, like, okay, you know, th- that can never happen to me. Nothing ever good happens to me. And you just walk around with a shield. Right. And so. Uh, vulnerability is like letting that shield go that you might be hurt by someone or something. It's like, it's hard. That takes more strength than to carry this big shield. Right. Or to be let down, you know, disappointed, not even like betrayed necessarily, but there's so many different ways that we can have negative 
effects or negative emotions related to something, right? You can get your hopes up. And the thing is, I, I feel like for myself and with other people, other and past boyfriends and friends and whatnot, you know, colleagues from businesses, it's, it's a lot about expectations that people try to manage. And it's very much in a self-protective way, like exactly what you're saying. They're doing it to protect their feelings of sadness, betrayal, loss, um, disappointment. And that is not even like expecting the worst. You're just kind of like fearing the worst. You know, not everyone's they don't walk around thinking like, oh, something shitty is going to happen. They're not walking around going like, oh, everyone's like that's that's kind of like to me leaning on the pessimistic, cynical side. But there's some people who just like they label it like I'm just being real. Like I'm just being I'm playing. I'm being cautious. Like I'm, you know, looking out for myself and in being cautious, like you are being a little bit pessimistic and negative because you want to like foresee all the things that could go wrong you know sometimes i do challenge people to for like one month not use the word always or never Mm -hmm. have have you tried that before just not using those words i haven't and i feel that that would be very good for me the word that i try to erase out of my my vernacular was the word should um because that had different connotation but i Always and never, I I believe I am a person that uses those <laughs> words, right, Marvin? <laughs> yeah, he is confirmed. I'm I speak a lot in hyperbole. Uh, my boyfriend can attest to that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not very good. <laughs> That's like a therapy thing that you make you do. It's like whenever like you just feel trapped, it's like all right, try for like one month instead of saying like this always happens. You have to like isolate saying. In this particular moment, I know that this happened, and I feel it's like, and you go so forth. I, I always tell people you don't have to go that far, but just like, oh, notice like when you say always, it's not all men suck, it's not all women suck, yeah. or like, yeah, like that just gets talk like toxic for me, and like for me, I had to deal with enough BS from so many of my clients. It's like, and you bring <laughs> my personal life, like no, like no, uh-uh. like I will charge you. Like, give me your Venmo account. I'm going to bill you so I can, like, every time you say always or never. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, I ain't dealing with all that, right? It's, and it's hard. And it's like very much in kind of the line of thinking that I've, I've been observing myself and what happens when I change the words that I use and even though, especially the words in my head. Um, so I definitely, I appreciate you calling that out because I think it is important to step back out of yourself and like analyze, like gather some data on your habits, right? If you are a person who usually says the word always or never, and then there's always these extreme cases, right? There's you, there's frequency of these extreme things in your life, which honestly, I can vouch for that. I'm like, well, maybe something's got to change. Maybe the words that you use are affecting that because you are in a mindset of believing that, oh, this always happens or he's always a dick or like guys of this whatever like from this area of this race or what like there's so many categories that we put people in and then assigning that always or never can be really just it's very unhelpful it's not like you're getting to be more accurate it's making it more broad strokes and more i don't know unforgiving in a way she's like oh yeah all men are terrible like are they they're not all i'm sure you know some men who are really great you know yeah, that also reminds me of, remember that early episode you did, um, the one you did the skit where you think of the thought process in your head? 
First of all, I'm so grateful that you even can refer to a previous episode. (laughs) I just need to take a moment. That's so sweet. Thank you. So I'm like, I'm like Wikipedia and like, well, you know, me, I read comics. So I'm like the narrator. It's like, okay, so issue number seven, where Minji, da, da, da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Which one was that? Can you refresh my memory? I I like record these and I forget what I said. I probably repeated myself 20 million times. No, it was like that soliloquy you did. I think you're leaving uni and then you start with a thought and just festers off in this like crazy thought rambling oh thank you (laughs) so if anyone wants to listen um i'm guessing it was sometime within my first 10 episodes i don't No, you go into the skit of like all this thoughts you go through your head like you're literally starting your day like what i think um did i record that i'm drawing a blank marv did i record my (laughs) spoken word thing is that what i recorded Marvin's edited every single one of my podcasts. He's not sure either. He's heard me talk a lot, so he can't dis- he can't delineate what's what. No, I, I just remember there's this one because I always tell people. So, anyways, to backtrack, uh-huh. it, you had this like skit or something. Like you start with the idea, you're trying to find your keys, yeah. and then you snowball into this keys? like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, like, yo, like, I know you're mad, but I know you probably started your morning off with, like, okay, like, I can't find my shoes. That girl, Becky, like, didn't ask, you know, ask for a second date, and you fessed her off, and now you're taking it on me. I know that how it started. Yeah. <laughs> and they get so mad. I call them out on that. It's like, yeah, but you're, you know, you're building this world that you think it's all against you. Right. Um, I uh, try to get... I didn't finish my certification in positive psychology, but there was this aspect I did learn that I always took away from it. Mm-hmm. And they said that positive psychology is not just about thinking happy thoughts all the time. Yeah. You kind of take both goods and bads. And one thing I liked about it was there's this um, rule of thumb, you call it um, the awe moment, where you realize the world is bigger than you, whether it be a spiritual awakening, whether it be a... Um, you know, you you get moved by something spiritual, and you just realize that you know whether something good or bad happens to you, mm-hmm. it's not for you. It's just you're a cog in the piece of the world that you that you're you know in something that not, things aren't for you. So right. whatever, like, let's just say like you get in a, like car accident, right? It wasn't like that person did it vindictively to you. It's like there was an accident, or you know if you would have like got out your car earlier then you know you wouldn't got hit and it was your fault it's just things happened right right if you think outside of yourself you'd be more accepting hence to be more vulnerable think about other situations right well i feel like that that to me sounds like it's about having a good balance of self-awareness and then also having perspective to not become too self-absorbed or narcissistic where everything is just centered around you um, so that you can manage expectations. I think that's really important for just kind of like operating in this larger world. Like, yeah, you are only in control of yourself. There are things that are out of your control and that you can respond to and then just kind of appreciate it for what it is. Um, but I'm also thinking when it comes to vulnerability, I think like the distinguishing factor with vulnerability is about like exactly what you said, kind of coming back to embracing fear embracing uncertainty embracing potential rejection i think rejection is probably one of the key factors in life that prevent us from doing a lot of things and 
you know, vulnerability to me doesn't mean only like, oh, I'm going to let me let me just sit you down and pour out all my guts, like <laughs> all my thoughts and feelings like being vulnerable means you're exposing yourself. However, like not even just verbally, but you're like opening yourself up to being hurt. Right. Or let down. So like, yes, having perspective is important, but I feel like vulnerability is kind of this this action of taking a risk, I guess. That- but also timing too. I think what I'm going to add on to what she said, especially for like art, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's about not necessarily putting all out there, but putting it at the right time. I think one of the greatest artists I love is Frank Ocean mm-hmm. because he's actually a pretty secretive person. He doesn't do that many interviews at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's done like twice. But when he puts a work out, it's so vulnerable that it speaks for itself. Like when. He did a song about the first time he fell in love with a boy. Then mm-hmm. everyone went like crazy, like, oh, my God, he's gay, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they, he didn't say anything else. He came at the right time. And to add on, like, you know, what we're saying is that vulnerability sometimes gets confused. It's like, oh, I'm just an open book. You walk around with your feelings open. And they said that's actually a defense mechanism as well, too. And if you give too much information about yourself, like, sometimes that might be – in a way, you're trying to manipulate someone, and some, you know, and guilty whether you're doing charged. it, right? So it's like guilty, for, so guilty. For example, like um, one of my friends, I had to like tell her, like, you can't call everyone your best friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, that title can't be handed out every single person because what happens is like you start putting someone up too far into ex- expectations, like you said, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, you're my best friend. Oh, my God, I can't believe you do that. It's like, oh, can you do this for me because you're my best friend? It's like, no, like, you can't use that as a sandwich of, like, a compliment and needing something, right? That's interesting. Yeah. So I, w- I always tell people to be careful to say, like, your best friend. It's like, yo, I just met you. You can't say you're my best friend, you know? And then you want to be careful with your words and just find the right time, right? So saying, like, you're my best friend Let's just say the word I love you, you know, like the word I love you comes in the right time. You can't just say it in a way of like um, when you piss someone off, right? The only time you say I love you is when you piss them off. No, you're you're using to bait someone in. Yeah. Right. That is very manipulative. IMO. And I've definitely done that. And I think we all have done that. We just didn't know what we're doing. Right. Right. Absolutely. I'm I'm really curious, Long, because you know we've talked about a lot of things conceptually. But I have two questions, and I want to like if we can go into like story sharing time. Uh, sure. Do you have a story that you can share to be vulnerable about a time you were really vulnerable and it, like blew up in your face? Because it kind of helps really to me. And the reason I ask you can say no, of course. But if no, I, I just have to sit on that. But can you go first? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I was thinking about it, I was like, damn, because, you know, there's so many there's like a spectrum, right, where you can say, oh, super vulnerable because I went for this part. Like I like for me, I'm vulnerable all the time because I'm putting myself on the line to audition for craft every day and I'm being vulnerable. Like 
I really want to be an actor. And that took me years for me to say that out loud and then take the headshots, like make my reel, like do all this stuff and then put it on the line and like have people judge me and be like, I'm good enough for you to bring me into audition. And then showing up to that audition and doing your best part, being emotional in front of them, being like emotionally naked. Like, I feel like I'm very vulnerable on a regular basis in that way. But I was also thinking like, okay, there's that in the professional realm, but there's also like truly like Minji being vulnerable First of all, I think this podcast has been a huge platform and space for me to be vulnerable. I've learned so much about vulnerability just making this damn content because I'm putting my thoughts out there and I'm very opinionated. But to be out there for everyone to hear, strangers, like people I, I never met and maybe will never ever meet in my life, to hear my thoughts and my innermost feelings, pretty vulnerable. But yeah. But I have a specific story if you want to hear it. I think it's pretty funny. And I'm like okay enough to talk about it. <laughs> I'll go next and then you can go that. And then yeah. – So this is how vulnerable works, people. So see how she opened up first slightly? Then I put my guard down. See, that was a good way she op- asked me <laughs> if you guys want to do this vulnerability testing. See? So now I'm going to go and open up a little bit. Um, for me, it was when um, – when I was working in the fitness industry, I thought, you know, this is the, the best thing that changed my life. It was until I faced like racism in a certain way to me that, you know, um, like for example, one of my um, colleagues, I don't work with them anymore. It's been a while, mm-hmm. but you know, we were out for getting drinks and he works in sales. And so the way the gym works is that, you know, they sell gym memberships and then they, they set him up with personal trainers, right? And he was just, you know, I, th- I think he would have even said this sober. He goes, hey, Long, you know that, like, I know you're a great trainer, but I just want to be honest with you. Like, I would not give you any clients. I would give to that new guy. His name is Dominic. He's like, yeah, he's a six-foot white dude. You know, he fits the demographic. I'd just be better off with sales. So, you know, you better work harder because, to be honest, I'm going to get better sales with him, right? He said that to your face. Yeah, and I was just like... He was drunk or he was sober? You know, it wouldn't matter. I think he would have said to me sober. I'm just curious. Yeah, okay. No, he would have said to me sober. He's that type of guy. He's a sleazy sales guy. And so I remember like that made me so angry, right? Mm -hmm. And I spent a good amount of time like this is, you know, I thought this was for me, finally. I felt like I've done so many career changes and... You know, me being in shape, I've done martial arts for years, right? And mm-hmm. I still can get judged. And so that was like the superhero moment where, like, either you become a villain or, like, the hero, right? Mm-hmm. And I spent many years going into that. And then finally, I started, like, looking into, like, why. And I, I didn't realize that, like, I myself was avoiding being Asian American. I was like, oh, I'm just American, right? Mm-hmm. But I started diving more into what that meant, mm-hmm. and I really had to open up more and understand, like, there are certain things I was wrong about, right? Um, this is, like, especially with my dating life, like, you know, I had a lot of situations, not all the time, right? Not all women, but it was just very frequent that, like, you know, they said, you know, I won't date you because you're an Asian guy. And, you know, and they even had some, like, like again, not all Asian women, but there's a handful that, you know, said, I won't date you because I like white guys. I remember being at a party and uh, one of my clients invited me over and it was like his friend's 
girlfriend that was Asian, she had all her friends come over, and there was like hundreds of girls at this party, and there was a couple of guys. It was a weird party, and I was talking to this woman, and her friend grabs her hand and pulls her away, and I heard her. She goes, "You know, you need to be talking to a young white professional." What? And I was just like, you know, I just like was taken aback, you know, like I was so like she just said it freely. And I don't think she cared that I heard. Mm-hmm. And I remember just going home. I was just being so like upset. Yeah. And and that was kind of thing. It's like, do I? I had a lot of anger, but I didn't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. But I knew not to like vent and go against anyone per se. But finally, I just started like you know looking into. I finally you know walked into this idea of like finding out more about myself. Uh, went to a book reading, and this woman, actually Marjorie Liu, she writes for Monstrous. Mm-hmm. She had a book signing, I was, oh, and I, my friend told me about it, and I was like, oh, okay, I should go. And first and foremost, when she did the talk, she went right into race issues, even though it was like a comic book store that there's all white people. And she's like, yo, you know, like, my book is about race. I'm a half, I forget what her um, makeup is, but she's half Asian, half white. And she goes, yeah, I have anger issues. Um, from it in Seattle, I didn't, you know, get to talk to anyone about race because they said I'm too pretty to worry about race. Nothing's bad going to happen to me. But oh, she noticed how like people looked at her dad uh-huh. and like didn't want to look at him in the face, as if like he was disfigured. And she knew it was because he was Asian. And so right away, seeing that her open up like that, mm-hmm. and you know, I was like, wow, that was like that hit me to my heart and so I started exploring more into that Mm -hmm. so that was kind of like my part of being vulnerable of like facing this like I thought was like a a crutch that like was holding me back Mm -hmm. but when it opened up to that you know then I was understanding of like my identity my culture um you know when those women and I finally had some peace you know like those women that say that to me Mm-hmm. They don't understand the context of the power of it, or sometimes they don't know. Mm-hmm. And I know that, like, maybe they were just younger. They just thought that. Um, I actually had a, a member at the gym. She was also Vietnamese, too. And I remember she was extra nice to me. It was weird. No one's that nice to me. She found out my name before I um, was talking to her. Like, I introduced myself. Mm-hmm. And so finally, I ran into um, her and her boyfriend on the street, right? And we're just being nice. <laughs> and I remember he said something to her and she goes, you can't say that, you stupid white guy. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I was like, wow. And she kind of went off and just about like this and this and that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, she probably got in this relationship like really like early on mm-hmm. and then like just found out who she was. And now she's like trying to identify with people like me. Cause she was speaking to me in Vietnamese and everything. I was like, I barely know you. Right. But she's probably just got excited for, it's been a while seeing a, um, Asian person for her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, you know, like, you know, it's, it's a timing thing, you know? Yeah. But I feel like, well, for me, I think the timing is all it. Uh, I don't believe in wrong timing. I think like everything is proper timing. I think things come into our lives. I'm of the mind set that we all have our specific challenges that we need to deal with. And a lot of things come into play into our universe a lot through law of attraction because we are putting a certain vibe out there. 
um, a lot of angry guys. I know a lot of them, and I know that they get triggered by things that trigger them because I'm like, well, because you're kind of like you're itching for a fight, you know, and it's I mean, I've seen this also in my life, too. I'm not like just sitting here like pointing fingers at everybody else. But I, that's just what I've observed a lot, even when I try not to. Um, it keeps coming back into my life like that, which we resist persists. A lot of things that we will have turmoil over, like exactly what you're saying about your identity, about your issues with being an Asian male, this anger that you have that you don't know how to deal with like that. That's that's just going to keep hounding you. Right. And chip away until it's going to keep knocking at your door. Because I think it's calling on you to address them and it's just kind of like you learning different things and different people and different TED Talks and different podcasts coming into your life to start unpackaging that. Um, And that's where I think like true growth is like personally because that uncomfortable area of why am I so mad? Oh, am I wrong for thinking that? Am I, have I been a coward? Like facing your own inadequacies, like for real and embracing yourself and like being compassionate. The whole, I am enough thing that I said in that last podcast episode is very, very hard, you know? And, and, And this is really interesting because in Brene Brown's Ted talk, she was saying, you know, based on her data, and I would love to look more into her work to see the stuff that backs us up. But in her evidence that she's gathered in her research on human psychology and and vulnerability is that we are the most in debt, obese, addicted, medicated adult cohort in US history, you know, that we're in a we're in a society that looks to all these different outward mechanisms to numb or to deal with stuff that we don't want to deal with. You know what I mean? And I see that a lot of my friends, whether it's like alcohol, hooking up, um, getting really, really busy at work. I'm totally guilty of that. I honestly have had a lot of issues with like dating and men trying to like distract myself and validate myself in a lot of ways. Like we, and, and there are people who are just like substance abuse, you know, in a lot of different forms. Every, and even honestly, I know guys who like work out a lot because they do that to like they work out like four or five hours a day trying to like perfect their bodies and everything. And it's a lot of in some ways it can be really productive. And then on the other side, it can be really like, are you is there some like stuff you're trying to mask or avoid? You know, do you see that? I'm asking you as a personal trainer. Yeah, no, it's um, so I would say. A good amount of my staff. I had my face too, so I'm I there too. Mm-hmm. But you know, they do these workouts. Let's just say, like, it's I mean, the classic example. The guys always do like biceps, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and so, like, for me and my my job was like, I know that if you overdo um, bicep work, you can tear your shoulder, mm-hmm. right? You can actually have issues with your traps you get all these things and then there's women that always want to do squats they want to get their butt bigger mm-hmm. and so they overdo it and they start ignoring things like foam rolling they start ignoring their diet they start ignoring these things and so guilty right yeah. <laughs> so for example like one of my uh, good friends um she moved to Colorado, but um, she was in figure competition right mm-hmm. so that's the thing where like you you kind of starve yourself you look all buff and you get all tan Mm-hmm. That's, that's a terrible way of explaining it, but yeah. forgive me, people are <laughs> part of summary. it. Like, I, I, I second that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's that's that's what it is. I'm sorry for people that are fanatically about it. It's, I respect you, whatever. Asterix, asterix. Don't send I me hate mail. You, whatever. <laughs> whatever. I respect you, whatever. But um, you know, I remember um, she, my friend's a massage therapist. She was seeing her, and then she walked upstairs, 
and I saw her grabbing her back, and she was limping, and I was like, are you okay? She goes, oh, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, and she falls again. I'm like, no, you're not. So I also do stretch. I stretch out my clients. I know trigger point. Trigger point is where you target um, tight muscles with pressure, mm-hmm. and I also know how to, like, stretch those kind of things out. And so I was like, I looked at her, I was like, you did something wrong, right? She's like, no, 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 I'm fine. I was like, and she's like, well, maybe I worked out after my massage, even though my friend, you know, the massage therapist said to not. I was like, okay, we'll go upstairs. And so I was talking to her. I was like, so you disobeyed the therapist, right? Yeah. Or massage therapist. The she's like, yeah. recommendations of the professional. <laughs> yeah. So I get my serious face on. I was like, you know, you know, you can't be doing this. And we talk more and more. And it turns out, you know, she has this, like, eating disorder from, like, trying to cut her weight so much. Mm-hmm. And then also... She's been doing it so much that she wasn't getting her period anymore. Yeah. Um, she, and also, people, I'm telling everyone, like, you know, fat is actually healthy for you. She was cutting so much fat where um, she, like, her body wasn't working correctly. You're the science person. Can you explain to them about, like, how fat, um, well, when you. A, yeah, it's a fundamental part of our cells. Every cell is made of a bilipid layer. I'm getting a whole bio in here. But fat is a very <laughs> fundamental component of our functionality. It's not something that we're supposed to have 0% fat, especially for women. Women or men are different bodies. Women need more fat in our bodies to function properly. It, it's a very specific balance of fats, carbs, proteins, all of that. Everything plays a role. Um, it's not good to be in excess of it, but you should like, it's not supposed to be absent from our diets. It's a necessary part of like just basic functionality to metabolize um, and to, yeah, think and feel. (laughs) No, I'm going to say to think, right? So she has short term memory. She can think. So she always went into panic mode about our diet. So it's just worse. Yeah. And I was like, yo, you can't be doing this, you know? And then we talked more and finally her roommate snapped her out of it. She's like, you're still as more prettier than most people in the gym and she finally it was funny though she ran up to me in the gym she goes i finally have my period i'm like great girl um just can <laughs> you can you not yell that out like that's great why um, don't shame her that's great i'd be so happy for her i'd give her a huge high five and hug her and no, like, that's I'm awesome. just, I'm just, it's great but just don't yell at the gym yeah. like but but yeah that's that's kind of the thing of escapism right when you're not wanting to confront what's going on with you you run off and just work out yeah i mean there's so many guys at the gym that hurt themselves and they have to like deal with like uncle long putting like his elbow in their like quad i was like you overdid this like do you have to do this again so i like have to punish these people with pain but, but I get paid for it, though. So Yeah, and then you're also trained in order to do that. And I also feel like I've, I've joked with Long that, you know, you are unofficially a lot of people's therapists because working with people's bodies and talking about body image and, like, their daily habits, their food choices, like, their sleeping habits, all those things, I think you by default get really into people's lives, even though, like, you're there and you're trained to specifically address, like, like weight loss or, like, weight gain or whatever, you know, like, specific physiological things but you're really diving into people's psyches a lot more like you became you become a therapist (laughs) and I think we all need to give credit for those because I know for sure I've gotten into some really vulnerable conversations with like with personal trainers before because I talk about like well why do you want to do that why is this a goal of yours I was like well because I think I'm fat and they're like you are scientifically 
quanti- like objectively not fat. Why do you think that? You know, and I, I'd like have to process that. And it was very hard for me to admit that. But yeah, like my goal, why I'm paying you to train me was I think I'm overweight or I don't like my body the way that it is. And that's that's tapping into some deeper, darker shit, you know, like that. that's a lot. Yeah. Um, do you have your story you want to share? Yeah. Um, well, it's funny. It's it's very different, and I I love that we have contrasting stories about vulnerability. Mine's about dating, um, because again, my Achilles heel, like the thing that I'm so fascinated by, and I will forever, is just love, romance, and human connection in general. But especially between romantic love, right? Um, I it's it's a funny thing because I feel like Bumble taught me a lot about vulnerability because by default the woman has to approach whoever they're interested in. I really want to know how Bumble works when it's um, a female-female relationship. But in the heteronormative paradigm, um, I match with a guy and I have to approach him, right? So that in and of itself taught me a lot of this vulnerable feeling of – getting potentially rejected right and like my heart went out so strongly to to men i was like wow this is this is tough and then i also did it so frequently that i was like oh i get it this is why maybe there's a guy there guys do get that that label of player because they're just trying to like cast a wide net you don't know who's gonna answer you no it is tough and i actually had to stop dating uh, online for well, two reasons. I told Minji this already. Number one, you work at a public gym. All the rejection people, the people who reject you, end up kind of being members, and I don't want to face it anymore. <laughs> like, and like, I was like, oh god, no, 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 no. Okay. I, 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 like, I remember she was like, do I recognize you? Like, nope, nope, nothing. Nope, you never see we me never, nowhere. Yeah, I'm and, a total stranger. <laughs> I'm a total stranger. You don't know me. But second, like, it is casting a net, and I just started realizing, like, I was trying to gamify the app and I was like holy shit I'm not looking at these women like people anymore I can't do this shit anymore yeah. it was just like mind numbing for me it's like no I had to stop like yeah. to like try to figure out okay this type of girl likes me so I gotta say this and like that it's like and I feel like um Russell Crowe in The Beautiful Mind I have like a spreadsheet and I'm like oh, I can't do this shit anymore it's like these people See, are the... like human beings right yeah. and you want to connect with someone you actually connect with not be like like gamify it be like okay th- this is the probability of this type of person like ending up liking me more than this person and that to me is like a manifestation it's like an example of how we can go into this rabbit hole and overthink and strategize and do all these things to prevent getting hurt Right. Like say long you have this type of person that you're just really attracted to and into. But like you don't think that there's a likelihood that that kind of person would like you. So in in avoidance of like getting rejected, you're not even going to go for that, which you really want that what inspires you and makes you like come alive inside or whatever. And you're just going to kind of like go over here where it's safer. Right. And maybe in that other place, you'll find something that you truly connect with that you appreciate and does make you happy. And that other thing was an illusion that could totally happen, too. But I also feel like we have to stop and recognize, like, how much we are dictated by fear. And this this whole that there are four years where I was, you know, single. I didn't have a boyfriend. And that those four years taught me so much about vulnerability Um and it in good and bad ways, I don't think everything was good. Um, well, no, I think at the end it was all good. But this one story was, in sh- in summary, I'll, I won't go too into detail, although 
<laughs> I think I should make a short about it. I think it's really funny. Um, I was at a festival. I was uh, I, I would bumble on Tinder like everywhere just to like scope out. This is me being vulnerable, you guys. I would like swipe everywhere I went just to like scope out the talent. You know what I mean? Like I'm like, ooh, I'm in I'm in Atlanta right now. Like who are the cuties here? And um, you know, I would match with people. It doesn't mean that it would lead to conversations. It would rarely, if ever, lead to like meeting up and going on a date. But I just kind of want to see, like, that's what I think is, side note, a danger of the online dating is that it becomes this, like, obsession and this, like, tick where you need to get validation. Like, oh, I don't feel pretty right now. I don't feel pretty. No one seems to like me. I'm not dating anybody. Oh, but these people think I'm attractive. Like, that's side side vulnerability. But this instance, I matched with a guy. I went on three dates with him. It was out of town. I happened to be at this location for a whole week. And... Um, yeah, so we like hung out three times. It was clear we were not going to like become a serious thing because I'm not from there. I live in LA and he lives from that. He's like a local to that area. So we like went on three <laughs> You're dates. You're being very vague about that though. I, I, I'm not I, specifying, but I'm telling you what's <laughs> important. So I was like on it, like being, again, being really vulnerable. I was down to like make out if we were like, if we like were had a good, had a good vibe like hook up because I was unattached I didn't have any boyfriend like I thought he was really cute I was really attracted to him and um side note he was like the first Asian guy that I've been like super attracted to in a while because I've been going on dates with a lot of a lot of different races but Asian men didn't pop up a lot in my dating pool at the time so anyway we 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 didn't hook up um but we like I bombed it okay like this is me being so embarrassed the third date I was like at his place. We were watching a movie. He offered me wine and I was deliriously tired because I was there for work and I was, wasn't operating at like my full flirt mode. Like I was just very, I was, I was running on fumes. Okay. So I like, he, he like basically offered like, he was pretty smooth about it, but he offered like some good moves on a platter. And basically if I wanted to like, move forward with him like I could have and like see maybe this is like my inner self like knowing that we weren't going to work out so I didn't want to go there maybe it was my own self-protection I'm going to bank on that but basically he like offered me wine I was like no I'm really tired I'm going to pass out if I drink any alcohol no thanks he's like do you want a blanket like we can cuddle and stuff and I was like no um it's really warm like I don't nah it's cool and like all this stuff and he's like I was just like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. I kept whining how tired I was. He's like, well, you can always stay here. And, like, I didn't get a sleazy vibe either. He was honestly a really nice guy. And he's like, you can always stay here. But there was, like, some suggestiveness behind it. And, like, I was like, no, I need to go hang out with my friends. (laughs) Like, Like, multiple offerings. And I just shut them all down. And I was so tired and delirious. And then I left. And I was like, Wow. Okay. And then I was, again, so tired. I just went, went back to my Airbnb, passed out. Didn't hear from him really after that. And he kind of ghosted me. Even though he texted me the next day to ask a question about something, basically we were supposed to hang out later that week and it just didn't happen. This is where I get vulnerable, okay? So that happened and it was was embarrassing just to explain this story on air. But (laughs) I reached out to him, okay? Like I kept texting him. I was like that girl that I've always, you know, been really adamant about not being because i'm like no you have to you have all these standards like if they're into you he'll contact you 
you know, like don't don't be thirsty, don't be don't be a loser. Shut up and like oh no, stop looking at your phone. And I was like obsessed, you guys. This is so embarrassing. But wait, did you have the thing where like uh, if the phone went off, you immediately grab it? Oh like, yeah, it's just, like. You're 100%. like that dog this train, right? Yeah, hundred percent. It wasn't even out of my hand long. Like I was I had it on vibrate, like it was ready in case like I got any sort of sign of life. And <laughs> so sad. Yeah. I was there for another like four or five days and I think I texted him a bunch of times like, Hey, gonna be here like another two days. <laughs> Don't know if you're busy. Like clearly, homegirl, he's busy, like doesn't want to talk to you. Let it go. You had your shot, it didn't work out, just let it go. And I straight up came home back to L.A. This is like five days later. Um, I emailed him. Like I wrote him an essay about like, look, I just wanted to. Oh, my God. Long. It's just so I was like, I was just really nervous. I was so tired. I'm minus the ghosting. Like I had a really good time with you. Yeah. And I don't even know what my objective was because it's like we can't date. You live in a different state. And clearly it was not meant to be that. It was so embarrassing, though. And I look back on that and I cringe so hard, but I can laugh now. And if I was your friend back then, you know what I do? I was like, girl, let's go drive back there. And we would make it like a like a road trip. Would you? I'd Why? Be, what would I, we achieve I'm, by that? What's that? What would we achieve? I'm that, <laughs> I'm that down ass friend. I was like, yo, let's just like. Let's just get this out of your system. Let's go all in. And then, like, it's not always cracked up to me because the lesson's always, like, something else. And then yeah. we had a great time, adventure. And you're like, oh, you learned. Cool. That, but we would have had, like, adventure and, like, ate good food. That's a good, that's a good like, friend movie right there. So I appreciate that. Exactly. I might write that. But uh, it's kind of like uh, the sweetest thing. If anybody's watched that, it's basically, like, Cameron Diaz and Christina Applegate. They play these two girls. And she just, like, obsesses over this guy. And she goes way far above and beyond what she's used to. And it's just her coming to terms with like, oh, I really actually would love to date somebody where it meant something more than just a kiss or a hookup or like, you know, whatever. And yeah, so I'm sharing that story because I got to feel on so many levels like rejection and embarrassment and shame, (laughs) even though I only shared that story with a handful of people. Like I learned a lot from that and just – But also funnily, after I got over it, it took a minute, but I got over it. And that embarrassment of like, by the way, he responded to the email. He was so nice. He's like, yo, I didn't mean to ghost you. And like, I'm like, sure. But thanks for (laughs) responding. But he's like, no, you're really chill. Like, yeah, I mean, I did figure we weren't going to be a relationship. Like you live in L.A. And so it was nice, though, for him to respond. And after he responded, my brain just kind of like settled down a lot. And A, I'm never going to do that again. (laughs) Well, I just said never. I hope that I don't do that again or I don't need to. I'm in a, I'm in a good relationship right now. So let's just – I don't want to be that extra. But B, it's just like I learned a lot from that and I think it taught me a lot about what drives us as people to just run for the hills from ever being vulnerable or being in a place where like you could be rejected or embarrassed and – but those are such important lessons, you know, like – I wish there was some more eloquent way to summarize. I feel like that was one of the most important things to go through <laughs> to be, I guess, to make an ass of myself, you know, like put it on. And the to line. know that you survived, right? Yeah. Like other things kind of pale. Like I remember how I could not sleep. I felt so I hope he's not listening to this. I don't think he does. Um, I doubt he does, but it was just so embarrassing. You guys. 
All right, I'll share mine now. Okay. So to, to equal it out, mine actually happened recently, and I haven't told too many people, so now I'm get so to put tell. put it on air for us. <laughs> I'm put it on air. Um, this was a little bit more simple, but it's one of those things that it dug up something so deep that I was harboring. I didn't realize I harbored. Um, there was this uh, particular person. I won't say how I associated. I met them, and it was just kind of casual. We were just talking back and forth. And I invited her to something. She canceled me twice for certain reasons. I was too busy dealing with, uh, it was May. May was Asian American Heritage Month. Heritage Month. And I was a swamp of work. So it was fine, right? And so I, I think I invited that person out to the beach. I was like, you want to go? Because I needed a break. But it was been fun to, to get this nose person. She sends me this like lengthy text saying, hey, I'm, you know, I just got back. I'm too burnt out. I'm tired. To be honest, like, I don't want to lead you on. I have some personal stuff going on. And, you know, I really want to get to know you, but it's just wrong timing. You know, I'm so sorry to even lead you, lead you on. And there was a f- switch that flipped in my head. I was, I felt different. Usually I would just would have ignored her, like, whatever, block her, never, you know, walk by her where she works. Like, just avoid the whole block, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, like, building that big shield. Um for people that don't know, I don't even think you know this about me, Minji. It's like um, I had a concussion four or five years ago, and I took a boxing fight. I used to fight in boxing. I didn't fight too frequently, but I took this fight because my trainer passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, that was a very deep connection I had with them, and I really had a hard time dealing with that. So on top of grieving, I had a concussion that had – like lasting effects on my brain. I I still have problems with people's names. I can't do math on the fly. There's little things like that. There's great things that happen, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize that like I was isolating myself from everyone, right? And so there is something about this text that I got, and I was just like, you know, something. There's something I shouldn't ignore. And I realized, you know, like, oh, I've been doing this to everyone. Any sign of like, um, like, you know, some sign that I want to run away, I run away. Mm-hmm. And I thought this person was being nice. She didn't ghost me. She explained her situation. It's like I feel this person deserves a response back, even though I want to like not text her back. But mm-hmm. I remember being depressed, I was angry and stuff, and I was just kind of like digging through my emotions. And I just remember like, wow, like I've, I guess I've done this to everyone that wanted to reach out to me in the state of like depression, my my concussion. I mean, I mean, and then I also started to forgive myself. It's like I just wasn't in the right capacity to do so. Mm-hmm. So I sat there for like three hours, Minji. Like I sat at a coffee shop because I, I, that was like I fought every single distraction possible. I sat in a coffee shop with – to be in public because I was like, uh, don't go to the bar. Do not go online shopping. Do not like just head up some friends. Like, no, deal with this. Like, sit with this right now. Respond to this damn woman, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and I remember just writing it out and I responded to her. It's like, hey, you know, um, I just gave her a proper response. Like, hey, I'm sorry that like, I didn't say sorry. I was like, I understand your situation. Um, things can be complicated. I'm glad that you gave me, a ch- you know, at least you gave me a chance. Yeah. And, you know, we'll just continue to navigate through each other. And then after that, we became somewhat friends. And I, 
But from there, I just realized, like, oh, my God, like, I've been cutting people off so much. And I just remember, like, I had a, I spent a couple of months being depressed. I was like, okay, I, have to, I still haven't been over my trainer. So I started digging more into that. And people around me were just so more happier. They're like, I like you better. I know you're sad long, but, like, I know that you're working through it and it's like it's a challenge but you're more nicer to everyone you're not as angry yeah you're not as that authoritative because you know minji me i can be authoritative like i could remember how yes, I, I, know. Made you, <laughs> I made you have four challenges like right away yes yes are you still on that yes i am okay cool good <laughs> anyway see that's me being deflecting right that was me building a shield to like tell other people what to do and slowly that that changed me and more for that moment for that person to open me up i wouldn't gotten be more better person that's the other like thing that opened up vulnerability of like you it's a maintenance right it's not an achievement it's a practice it's a practice yeah it's kind of like hygiene right you can't you have to keep showering you can't just shower one day he's like i'm a clean person i showered like last year right yeah i always explain that with fitness it's like you can't work out one day and like, cool, I can eat whatever. Like, no, 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 no. You got to keep doing it. I'm covered forever. Like new. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and to kind of close out this episode, which I think there's definitely going to be more discussions about vulnerability because I think it's a topic that deserves to be kind of just dived into and excavated a lot more than this. And I really just appreciate this conversation. It's a practice, I believe rooted in gratitude and finding Gratitude and joy, and that's a lot what Brene talks about. And I very much echo those those feelings that in moments of like extreme terror, just being scared and being guarded and being, um, you know, feeling like you're just taking this giant risk to find a moment to settle yourself, to practice gratitude, to practice joy, um, you know. Can I be in a good relationship? Can I have friends? Can I have the job that I want? Can I build the body that I want? Like, or, and can I get healthy? Can I have a good relationship with my father or mother or like brother or sister or my friend? Um, there's a lot of ways that we expose ourselves and, and position ourselves to be, quote, to be in vulnerable places, to be exposed. And I hope that, I don't know, from this conversation, people can really, you can challenge yourself to like, A, believe that you are enough. And I think that that pra- pra- practice is like, I believe that practice has like completely changed my life. It really has. And I'll talk more about that. I'm going to do follow up to the I am enough episode. But to believe that you're enough and to let yourself be seen. Like to be seen and and be seen for like who you truly are. Not the front, not the Instagram version, you know, not just the highlights, but like who you really are. And, and figuring that out so that you can create connections with other people. I think that's what really drives us as, as humans to keep on keeping on. Like, otherwise, honestly, what's the, well, not what's, I don't want to be morbid, but like, I think that's what gives us a lot of meaning to life. Yeah, I recommend everyone out there to find someone with a podcast and then uh, talk it out online to, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just hash it out with uh, someone you never met in, in person. But, you know, it's just that's about being vulnerable, right? Sometimes you can do that, you know? Yeah. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Long. This was really great. Thank you for, like, sending me those links to Renee and, like, talking it out with me. It's been great. Also, you know what's hard about this podcast? What? I... Th- I'm so used to hearing your voice recorded. Uh-huh. 
And I was like, oh shit, I have to say something. Fuck. Like, <laughs> I'm not listening to a recording of you. I'm talking to you. You're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so like, there's sometimes I'm like, uh huh. I was like, oh shit, get involved, get involved. This is, this You're is so you funny. on here. So I'm still getting used to that. Sorry. Oh, thanks. Well, can you tell the audience where they can find out more about you if they want to follow you, get to know, like, I don't know, hire you to be your personal trainer, whatever? Yes. Um, I am just plugs. I am the collaboration san francisco chapter blogger so you go to our website at collab sf.org you can find my recent work there um my twitter is actually my url is going to be longvo.tv dot com is parked by some a-hole so there's another Longvo out there. So the the most famous Longvo out there, he draws for Street Fighter. And it's me and him always fighting for our URLs. I remember I got Facebook first. So I was like, ha, in your face. He had to go Vo Long. But me and him, I know that we're like fighting over Longvo.com. It's been parked right now. So I had to get TV. It's, it's a battle. There's only one Long out there. Okay. There can only be well, Not really. No, not really. There's only – there's a Long is the most common Vietnamese name. But, you know, it's just all ego. You're so funny. Okay. Well, I hope that you guys will will tune in more to Long's thoughts and and follow Collaboration San Francisco. He works really hard to make sure that that continues on. That's very near and dear to my heart. Um, Collaboration with a K. And if you found this episode useful, if it made you happy, please give us five-star review um, and subscribe to this podcast. And also share this with somebody that you think it could help. To be honest, that's the point of this existing, is for us to build a community and to share thoughts and start conversations. So please share this episode with someone you think would like it. And stay tuned for more episodes that are coming up on First of All. You can follow me at First of All Pod. You can become a patron for my ongoing crowdfunding platform, patreon.com slash First of All Podcast. Thank you and shout out to all my patrons who help keep this podcast alive. I love you so much. And I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. We're recording in the studio live at Visual Communications. So thank you to the collective, to Visual Communications for providing this space. I love you all so much. Extra special love to Marvin Yue, who is my audio engineer, my producer, and he is the instigator to all this existing in the first place. Let's never forget. Shout out to Aquafina for use of her song Yellow Ranger. And shout out to Aquafina and the entire cast of Crazy Rich Asians. They are about to blow the up. Um, it's crazy. Uh, the 15th is the premiere worldwide. Is it worldwide? Or like nationwide in theaters for Crazy Rich Asians. I hope that you'll enjoy it. Go support. Go opening weekend. Buy a ticket. Use your movie pass. This is a personal request from Minji Chang here in the States. This affects my industry, affects my life, and all our people. So please support. You can find, first of all, at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, Spotify, and everywhere you find podcasts. Thanks so much for being here. This is a great discussion. Thank you, Long. Also, as a patron, yeah. I love that I invest my money into this podcast. I feel so about It feels so great to invest something back to your artist. So that's my sale of please donate to her Patreon. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. That was not a prompted request. Thank you. Thank you, Long. I really appreciate you. Okay, have a great week, everyone. We'll talk to you later.